Hello, and welcome to another edition of Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions based on what you have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton@gmail.com. Uh, as we head into 2020, this is the first uh, Q&A episode of this new year. Starting with a bang, uh, lots going on, a whole lot of stuff set up to roll out this year. This is going to be, uh, I really think this is going to be a pretty amazing year. Um, despite whatever else is going on in the world, you know, you can always come to my channel for a little bit of critical thinking and some sane, rational <laughs> look at some stuff, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay, so we've got some really good questions. I wanted to plug the podcast I did this week. I did a live stream uh, in the middle of the week on New Year's for you guys to kind of break down the whole last year in Scientology, especially we went over a lot of Scientology stories and news, as well as personal stuff about me and Melissa, and a little bit of setup about what was coming in the new year and some ideas about how I'm going to be trying to apply some critical thinking to my life, and specifically in regards to um, my New Year's resolution of uh, not assuming things, trying to kind of knock assumptions out of my world, and that's there's a lot, man. You start looking into this and it's like, oh man, this happens all the time. Surprise! You know, so anyway, um, we'll see how that all rolls out. But I did not post another podcast uh, yesterday on Saturday because of the midweek podcast, but you will probably be seeing some bonus content this week as I did another conversation with John Atack for his channel. We did this about, it was a pretty long, extensive talk about him and his history and stuff. Anyway, this might go up uh, this week, and if it does, I will be mirroring it here on my channel as well, so you guys can see that. And I will, of course, be um, recommending you uh, subscribe to John's channel. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to plug real fast is I have a Critical Clips channel. Link below in the description of this video and on my channel. I would really love if you guys would... Um, subscribe to that channel as well for daily content, uh, clips from this channel, from videos going all the way back to the beginning, and I have posted hundreds of, uh, over a hundred videos at this point, I think about 160 or 70 or so, on that channel. All of them, like, I think the longest one is about eight minutes. Uh, I try to keep them short, um, and... Uh, they're just clips of single answers or single subjects or single little bits uh, about Scientology or other things that I thought you guys would find interesting. So, anyway, like I said, the link is below, and now let's get on with your questions. Nutri, do you know the person behind the YouTube channel Scientology Parent? He used to be pretty active, but suddenly disappeared. He was quite open about Scientology. The channel was something I've never seen before pro-Scientology stuff on social media which was not produced by the church itself. It would seem obvious that the church didn't like it. Thoughts? Okay, I checked out Scientology Parent as a YouTube channel and as his blog, because he references a blog that he has and he's posted some articles as well as videos, and it looks like this guy was pretty active for a while and then just petered out or was stopped, and I'm suspecting more of the latter than the former. Um, because he's still got tons of stuff he could be talking about, but he's not. He hasn't produced a video since May 10th, uh, 2019 is the last time that he actually posted something. And actually what he posted was the last part of a whole series of um, 
clips that he did of an interview that he did with some high school student who wanted to interview him about Scientology. So this high school student asked him a bunch of softball questions and he gives a bunch of softball answers. And he took months posting all of these answers. And they're just little short clips. They're not like, you know, big long stuff like I do on my channel here. I just made some notes about some of this. And, um, you know, yeah, other than posting a 30 second clip from the Salt Lake City uh, ideal org opening, um, you know, his last real video was from September 16th, 2017. So this guy has not been producing stuff really seriously in years. And uh, funny that the last video that he really produced and put something out on besides somebody, you know, uh, like I said, interviewing him, was a Twitter conversation which somehow led to Leah actually seeing his tweets on, on Twitter and inviting him onto the Scientology in the Aftermath show to be interviewed. <laughs> so he, he got all the way to the top and then, you know, hit the uh, eject button and we've never heard from him since. And he, interestingly, his video where he talked about that and a blog article where he talked about that laid out he wouldn't even call Leah by name. He said, she who must not be named. And while that's a cute, you know, uh, allusion to Harry Potter, it actually is a joking reference to thought policing. I mean, Leah Remini. Is it so hard to say Leah Remini? It's she who must not be named, <laughs> you know? This is how Scientology deals with their critics, is they make jokes about it and uh, just run thought policing on themselves, you know, lest they actually listen to what she has to say. And, um, but it was interesting because in this article that he wrote and in this video response that he made, he said, I'll be interviewed. People can talk to me, I, you know, invite me onto your shows, right? I'll talk about Scientology. If you really want to know what Scientology is all about, I'll talk to you, right? Uh, he said that the media and critics like me are all about showing how Scientology is bad and they take these people who have been hurt or broken or upset by Scientology and they highlight those stories. Well, of course they do because that's the story is that Scientology is abusive. And he makes it out as though this is some fake media portrayal of Scientology and it's all just spin and it's all just twisted nonsense which of course is par for the course for any cult member. They have to live in denial about the truth of the group that they are part of and the abusive behavior of that group. This man lives in a delusional fantasy world that Scientology is wonderful. He's a public Scientologist, so he doesn't know anything about what he's talking about when it comes to staff and Sea Org. He was a staff member at the DC Org for some period of time as a young man, apparently, and that's the sum total of his actual exposure to organized Scientology at, at the higher levels where things actually start getting a bit rough. And even he said in his write-up about his time as a staff member that it was the most challenging time of his life, which is definitely code word for he got the shit kicked out of him many times as a staff member, didn't really like it, but somehow convinced himself that it was the greatest good for the greatest number, so it was challenging but rewarding. And of course, this is my spin on his spin, so, you know, I would love to actually talk to this guy, but it's funny how after he posted the stuff about how, you know, what it would take for him to 
want to be interviewed or talk about Scientology, he completely shut down his channel, basically. And he doesn't talk to anyone about it. He will not answer questions of a challenging nature about it. And I did post um, a comment on one of his videos where he specifically said, this is actually the last video he posted. There were only two comments on it because his videos are only getting about, you know, 50 to 100 views. It's a pathetic channel. I think he's got 50 subscribers or something. But, um, and given the nature of what he's doing and trying to do, he should have a lot more. Like, if he really wanted to do something with this, he could. But I'm sure the church put the kibosh on it. But he himself seemed to put the kibosh on it by saying, well, I'll only be interviewed by people who will ask me softball questions, like high school students. And so there we go, right? And even high school students could ask him some hardball questions if they do a little bit of research first. But, you know, that's just kind of how that tends to go. Uh, anyway, that's who this guy is and what that's about, and I can't say for sure that the church called him in, but given the fact that he got all the way up to the last thing this guy was doing on social media and in a public forum was, you know, interacting with Leah Remini, right, she who must not be named, I'm sure the church took notice and uh, somehow that was reported and he was told, um, hey, cool it on the channel, we're not interested, send people to Scientology.org. That's what you're supposed to do. Send them to the Scientology TV channel. That's what you're supposed to do as a Scientologist. You're not supposed to be out there propagating Scientology through video and taking on church critics in the comment section, right? I'm curious what he'll do with the comment that I left on his uh, video because he said in the comments that Scientology, the church, never has and does not enforce abortions on anybody. He actually said that. And I'm sure he believes it because, like I said, he lives in a delusional bubble world of unreality and he has no idea what he's actually talking about. Um, and anybody who's watched my channel knows that I have, you know, my, my ex-wife and I had to live through uh, an enforced abortion. And I have interviewed plenty of people on this channel who had to, uh, were given no choice whatsoever and had to abort their child. Uh, and... You know, he says that doesn't happen. Well, I have direct evidence that it does. So, you know, what did, really, what did we really expect? <laughs> Not a lot. And what do we get? Not a lot. So, there you go. Jay Maul. I'm reaching out because I just came across an elaborate display on my walk home. A man asked if I wanted to learn about the dangers of psychiatry. I asked if he is from the Church of Scientology. He said that the organization is funded by Scientology. He then proceeded to tell me about a myriad of evils done by psychiatry and his own mother's terrible experience. I told him that I'm sorry about his mom. I also said that I don't doubt that many bad things have been done in the past, but I still don't think the entire field should be discounted. He retreated from me and simply said I was mistaken. I found it interesting that they did not explicitly note Scientology in their literature. I'm curious if you are familiar with this organization and if you have any insights about them. Thank you. Okay, so you're talking about the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, which is a Scientology front group that was created in 1969 in order to uh, specifically and exactly take out psychiatry. That is its job. And in fact, I actually read quite a bit from the materials of CCHR in my New Year's podcast. So please check it out because I broke all this down and I actually read paragraph by paragraph their three-step program to eradicate, to annihilate 
psychiatry from the globe, right? Psychiatry, global annihilation. That was their three-step program. And um, I, I, I had a laugh at that because um, it was remarkably similar in my mind to uh, underpants gnomes as far as the degree of effective planning that CCHR actually engaged in in order to eradicate psychiatry. If you wanted to if you, were, if you thought psychiatry was, was, you know, totally evil and must be destroyed, and that is very definitely what CCHR and Scientology thinks, then, you know, your, the, the efforts to get rid of psychiatry should be more in line with criminalizing it. Uh, you know, legislation would do a lot more towards the, uh, in the direction of banning psychiatry than this, you know, these endless exposés and silly DVDs and nonsense that they send around. I mean, that's where Scientology's at, is they think saturating the planet with DVDs about how bad psychiatry is is somehow going to, you know, annihilate psychiatry. And, you know, all right, cool. And <laughs> knock yourselves out. Hope you have fun with that, you know. Uh, but it's it's too little, uh, too late, and it, they're and they're lying. That's the problem with uh, their anti psychiatry material. Is there are real legitimate problems in psychiatry, but Scientology is so extreme that nobody who's dealing with those problems wants CCHR on their side, because CCHR is all about destroying psychiatry, just annihilating it, and substituting it with what Scientology. And if you, if, again, for longtime watchers of this channel, you know I've produced content uh, it, just this last year, in fact, about the grim dangers of psychiatry, or Scientology, rather, treating the mentally ill. Uh, that's the last thing we ever want to have happen is Scientology taking over the field of mental health. But that is their goal. And the CCHR is supposed to be the harbinger of that by coming in and cleaning out you know, and destroying everything else that's in the way of Scientology moving in and taking over mental health. So that's the, that's the sort of idea of it. Um, and Hubbard, uh, this was definitely Hubbard's brainchild, and there was um, a psychiatrist who was speaking out as a almost kind of, well, I don't think I'm going to say he's a whistleblower, but he was somebody who was critical of the field of psychiatry. His name was Tom Saz. And they got him on board as, a, as an ally, and, and he was doing a lot of speaking and stuff. And CCHR was pushing that messaging, and they've been pushing it ever since. So that's pretty much what that's about. And this traveling um, you know, show that you saw, this museum, was actually referenced in that three-step program. Because what you saw on your walk home was, I, I'm, I believe, was the CCHR Traveling Industry of Death Museum display that they wanted to walk you through. And, uh, and that's, you know, how they think they're getting rid of psychiatry, and that's what that's all about. Jim Stiles, do food cults count as cults? Okay, Jim, thanks for asking me this. And actually, I'm not going to get into a big, long diatribe about food cults right now. What I want to actually take, well, the reason I'm taking this up is because, of course, there are food cults. Um, there are cults that exist everywhere, all around us, all the time. We are surrounded by cults. We are not surrounded by destructive cults all the time, though. Okay, there is a difference between these things. This terminology is important. 
And a cult, if you open up a dictionary and look, is any group that is aligned around a focused, centralized purpose and tends to be pretty dedicated to that group and to the leadership. But it's not a destructive cult just because it's a cult, okay? Destructive cult is different. Destructive cults are where you get the concentration on money, sex, power, where you have narcissistic leadership, where you have um, a, a codependent, destructive relationship between the leader and the followers, where you have us versus them thinking, enforced black and white thinking, penalties for leaving, disconnection and shunning, etc., etc. All the, the tools in the toolbox of destructive cult leaders are all in those groups. Regular groups could, you know, just non-extremist groups can be referred to as cults, and there's all kinds of them. They're all over the place. And what you're talking about when you're talking about a cult is you're talking about a group that has a culture. That's where cult, that's where culture comes from, is cult, right? These, these words uh, match up. And all groups create their own internal culture and structure and rules and guidelines and all that kind of stuff. All groups do. Even loosely formed groups have some semblance of order. That's what, you know, that's what makes them a group. And they develop a culture, a, a collection of ideas and attitudes and, and uh, rules and guidelines for how they're going to operate and interact with one another. And these can be very, very formalized or these can be very loosely organized the more formalized they are, the more strict the rule system is, the more maybe there's an enforcement system, the more dedicated people could be to it, maybe the more money is being looked into or, or sought for the group, etc. Um, you know, any group forms this culture. It is when things in this culture become extreme that it moves over into the destructive side, right? Maybe I should have said that, at the, maybe I should have led with that. Um, because that's how it goes bad, right? Any group can go bad. Any cult can become a destructive cult when that culture is led over into a direction of authoritarianism, thought-stopping cliches, and the, and the motivated reasoning and the, and the coercive persuasion that, ha that, that comes into it, right? In other words, when the leader turns bad and starts abusing the followers and the followers go along with it and and keep it going and support it and all of that, right? And that's that's how it goes bad. So any group's capable of that with under narcissistic or bad leadership or authoritarian, you know, guidelines or rules and can go off into crazy land, right? Any group can. There's, nothing, there's no group anywhere in the world, including anti-cult groups. Any group could go cultish. Right? That's just the fact. Now, that fact doesn't mean that all groups are going to go cultish or going to go destructive into destructive land. I guess you could say it's on a spectrum, and any group can be sort of plotted based on these characteristics that we look at. So, um, so the answer to your question, Jim, is yes, food cults count as cults. Any cults count as cults, and any cult can become a destructive cult given the right orientation and push in that direction. Patrick Gavin, I've read that many recruiters in the past used to make huge dollars selling books, courses, and other such things. Is this still a thing? And did the high-profile old leaders like Mike Rinder, Marty Rathbun, or Pat Broker make big money when they were at the top of the cult? Could a lowly Sea Org member land a whale?
Okay, as far as I know, commission systems have pretty much died out in Scientology for individual staff members. I, th I think the book commissions that used to go to the individual who sold the books or the lectures, the materials, right? If you sold an e-meter, if you sold books, the lectures, it was a 10 or a 15% commission. Uh, and that was for the staff too, all right? It was for the public or the staff. And the staff who sat all day, every day, selling books and materials made bank. And eventually this became um, a point of friction. This was, uh, I think, around 2002, 2003 or so, if I remember in the years right, when I was in the Sea Org. The word came down that, you know, we were going to, they were going to knock out the, the, the commission system or they were going to change it. And the commissions were going to go into a pot and all of the staff were going to get benefited by that commission pool, right? So one successful salesperson could, you know, be rolling in all the, all the sales, but all the staff get the, um, get a percentage of that commission. That's, as I understand it, how it's done now. There are, but this changes all the time. So this is one of the, this is one of those things where my lack of current, current knowledge about Scientology, it, you know, is a little bit of a disadvantage because I can't tell you what's happening in the church right this second, but I can tell you that book commissions have been a thing in the past. Um, they were changed up to be more, you know, uh, spread the wealth kind of thing. And I don't think that that's changed since then. So you also asked about old leadership and were they making bank when they were up at the highest levels? Yeah, no, of course not. Nobody's making bank in Scientology except David Miscavige. There were people who would get significant bonuses for IAS commissions and stuff like that. That still exists, and but it's mostly the public who are benefiting from that now, more so than the staff or the Sea Org. Um, there are some very highly paid public Scientologists who spend a lot of time bringing people into the church, selling materials, trying to forward Scientology. And by a lot of people, I mean, you know, 20, <laughs> 30, maybe, maybe 100 worldwide, right? Like people who are really dedicated to trying to get people into Scientology. Those guys do make commissions and they can make a significant amount of money if they are good at their job. Unfortunately, these days, uh, it's a harder and harder job to do because you're faced with tougher and tougher questions by the real world about Scientology because of all the exposure we've been doing about it. So um, I think that is, I think that answers your question. RCK, how are ordinary Scientologists supposed to clear the planet? Is going up the bridge and attaining clear and OT8 sufficient and somehow the rest of us, seeing how great our Scientologist neighbor is doing, will come knocking on Scientology's door. Or are ordinary Scientologists supposed to evangelize people too? In which case, how do they handle questions from non-Scientologists about Xenu, family disconnection, Scientology in the Aftermath program, and what is found on the internet? How do they handle being told we're almost done clearing the planet, but at the same time there are a few people at the local orgs and a lot of non-Scientologists asking difficult questions. Seems to me one would reach one of two conclusions. One, Scientology is not facing reality, therefore how real can it be and I should leave? Or two, the present age is damned and only the enlightened few will be saved. Which leads to the next question, what does the afterlife look like for a Scientologist who has reached the highest level? Is the Thetan supposed to keep coming back in new bodies until the planet is cleared? 
gets to choose to go to another planet to clear it, wander around creation for the rest of eternity, blissfully not caring about uncleared planets, or what? Okay, thanks for your question, RCK, and I'm gonna say first off that a lot of the questions you've answered here I have talked about in detail many times in the back catalog of my Q&A shows, so I would encourage you to go back and check out a lot of those earlier episodes where you'll get a lot of these, um, you know, detailed answers to stuff about Scientologists' view of the afterlife and where they're going to go if they die and all that, because, you know, I, 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 I've, I've explained a lot of this stuff, but... There was one thing you uh, in your question here that I wanted to uh, get into because that has to do with uh, Scientology dissemination. Um, and dissemination meaning spreading the word, evangelizing, as you mentioned. And there are, Scientologists are heavily encouraged to disseminate or evangelize Scientology. And they, um, there's actually a drill that you do in Scientology um, in order to get good at talking to others about Scientology. And it was always like pulling nails, trying to get Scientologists to come and practice these drills and go out and disseminate. You know, I mentioned in the last answer that there are a few Scientologists who get a lot of money by propagating the religion, by bringing people in, getting people on service. A lot of those people that they're getting back in are old Scientologists that they're recovering. It is, it is actually, a lot of them think it's easier to get those old people back in than it is to go newly contact people. But there is a series of steps that Scientologists are told to do which will convince somebody that Scientology is for real and that they should be part of it. And I thought you'd want to know what those four steps are. They are contact, handle, salvage, and bring to understanding. And these four points are called the dissemination drill. Contact is simply, hi, how you doing? You, know, you contact the person. It's the handle step, which is the tricky part. And they do seminars and workshops on this, and they drill it. Uh, there's a whole course called the PTSSP course, which has a catechism as part of it. So people ask questions about Scientology, and Scientologists are drilled on this course about the answers to those questions. There's also a dissemination course that you can do, uh, which will also have you go through this, this catechism. From it's, it's contained in the book, What is Scientology? And it's all these questions and answers, and you're drilled on it so you can answer these questions. But the problem is that none of those questions include, why is Leah Remini attacking Scientology? Do they actually have forced abortions in the Sea York? Uh, what's this about L. Ron Hubbard locking a kid up in a chain locker? Like None of those questions are in the What is Scientology uh, catechism, right? So this is the problem, is that now Scientologists are being asked very sharp and pointed questions that they never used to have to deal with before. And so they could easily, you know, sort of pull a no answer answer, uh, which they're drilled to do, by the way. They're drilled on how to successfully not answer a question while making it appear that they are answering it. So they couldn't really get away with that so easily now because people are more onto what Scientology is really all about. And this has created an incredible hamper in their ability to get new people in. Um, so even drilling people on this contact, handle, salvage, bring to understanding thing isn't really working because this handle step, they keep running into all of what they call black PR and enemy lines, right? Stuff that I say, stuff Leah says, 
What we're talking about is true. It's real. It happened or it happens right now. They can't deal with that truth and they can't deal with that reality and they don't want people thinking those, th those horrible, awful things about what some Sea Org members and Scientologists get up to or have gotten up to in the past. So they just deny it. They just live in a world of denial. And uh, that is how their question answering un unfortunately comes across because they don't have good solid answers for that except to say, oh, it's on the internet, you know how everything on the internet's a lie. You know, they generalize. They have, to, they have to sort of, you know, disperse your attention or direct your attention off of that. So what they try to do is just, just invalidate the entire media through which that message comes. The internet's bad. Uh, SPs are bad, right? Critics are bad. Everybody who ever has anything bad to say about Scientology is evil and must be destroyed. And it is fascinating how these groups, one to one to one, get in that frame of mind. They cannot deal with critical thinking. So they only can poo-poo it, insult it, call, you know, call the person names, etc. And that is how they deal with that stuff. Now, you mentioned the two options that you thought people would uh, fall into here where they would um, see that Scientology is not facing reality and then maybe, you know, how real can it be and maybe I should leave or to, um, you know, we're, we're the only few who are going to be saved. It's the second one that almost all, you know, routinely these guys go into. When they do hit that wall of, oh, man, this is not really... You know, like these questions get a little bit too probing, a little bit too difficult, and they, you know, start causing all kinds of cognitive dissonance and the guy's head blows up. That is also a source of getting people to leave. But uh, generally speaking, um, you know, they, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's not just a matter of planting a few seeds and then their head blows up and they leave. Those, that seed planting can take a while, and, and Scientologists are really good at using the thought-stopping cliches to stop themselves from thinking about that stuff, right? Oh, he's just an SP, he's PTS. Uh, I don't have to listen to anything he says. He's just, he's just forwarding enemy lines. These are thought-stopping cliches. They, they just shut down thinking. You don't have to think about you know, forced abortions anymore because he's just an SP and I don't have to listen to anything he says because he's just a liar, right? Easy peasy. And that's how they keep the cognitive dissonance at bay. So, um, so how are Scientologists supposed to clear the planet? Um, by going up the bridge, you know, and by getting other people up the bridge. And it's all, see, what I, I think the, the second thing I wanted to sort of impart here on this question is that it needs to, it, it's, it's not really appreciated enough, I think, by people outside of these, these cult situations, how much of a blindfold the people in the cults are wearing, how, how thick and big and effective it is. There's not a lot of thinking going on in these groups. When we talk about thought-stopping cliches, when I use that phrase, it's, it's a really good description of what it is. It stops thought. You don't have to think anymore. And when you've got these words that sort of you can just sort of push out there and, and that's your thought-stopping cliche, then there isn't thinking going on here. So they don't think about how they're going to clear the planet. They don't think about 
how they're even gonna get up the bridge. They just sort of make it go right. Right? That's the supreme test of a Thetan, is to make it go right. So that's what we're gonna do. And that itself is a thought-stopping cliché. I will make it go right. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just gonna turn out okay. This is also known as magical thinking, <laughs> and it's something that every single destructive cult member is well-versed in doing, because it's the only way they can keep the cognitive dissonance at bay and maintain their belief system. And that's really the sad, very, very sad, but stark truth of what goes on with cult members. It is time for Flash Answers. Nick C. What's the most watched video of all time on your channel? If memory serves, it used to be the Quiverful video. Is it still? Yes, Nick, it is still the Quiverful video. I did, uh, years ago, I did an interview with a wonderful woman named Christiana Miner who had uh, survived growing up in a uh, cult household, a very, very uh, horrible one, uh, led by a man named Bill Gothard, sort of a do-it-yourself kind of family cult, actually. It was very interesting, and it took me a long time to get my head around their dogma and what they were all about, but Christiana was wonderful with that, and she both was interviewed first, and that video is the, is the one that's had, I think, 1.4 million views so far, and then she and I did a follow-up video where we did an hour-long breakdown of the Gothard cult and why it's a destructive cult and why the thinking is authoritarian and thought-stopping. So you can check those videos out. They're actually on the front page of my YouTube channel uh, and in their own little playlist. Missy Lowe, do you think those unreleased upper OT levels will get out soon for critics to analyze? Or if Miscavige just wrote them, do you think they could or would compare to how LRH would say it, or do you think Miscavige doesn't think he would be up to the challenge of even trying? I have no idea when uh, Miscavige is going to get around to releasing upper OT levels, but at some point in the future he probably will. The problem with it is that the target they've set is that all the orgs have to go St. Hill size before they will release OT 9 and 10. So either that target's going to change at some point, which of course it could at any day because Miscavige just says the presto changeo and, and suddenly everything changes and Scientologists don't care, they just do whatever he says. So he could change that, and then he could start releasing upper OT levels, and if he does, they will definitely look and sound just like LRH wrote them, because it's not that hard to make it sound like the old man, especially for somebody as, as you know, intimate, uh, intimately familiar with it as Miscavige. Um, and, you know, that's what's going to happen. And I don't know that we're going to see them or that they're going to get leaked anytime soon. It, you know, the only reason we have the OT levels at all is because of some pretty impressively Herculean efforts on the part of people back in the 80s, some ex-members who boldly, like some real balls, went in and actually just got them out of the church. Um, so I don't think we're going to be seeing anything like that again. So, uh, so we'll see how it eventually leaks. Um, but I do think Miscavige is up to the challenge, and I do think he will try to do that eventually. Bobby Simone, 79. If you were about to embark on a critical thinker at large world tour, what would be some of the countries slash cities you would like to visit? Wow, world tour. Um, London, Paris, <laughs> Rome, <laughs> Stuttgart. 
Uh, I'd love to get around in Europe. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, pop over in Japan or something. That'd be awesome. I mean, if we're thinking world tour here, you know, uh, as well, of course, as hitting all the major cities in, L in uh, the United States and Canada, that'd be fun. But tiring, really tiring. Anyway, don't quite have any resources to pull something like that off. I'm just me solely operating here and uh, I'm going to try to be, uh, we're going to try to make a book tour happen this summer in the UK with some help from my friend uh, John and we'll see if we can pull that off. Um, world tour, eh, we'll see. Okay guys, that is our show for this week. Thank you very much for coming around and watching and please consider supporting this channel through Patreon. It is uh, the thing that keeps the lights on and the show going and keeps a roof over my head and allows me to keep answering your questions and keep doing this work. And there's a lot of work to do this year. We have got some amazing things planned. I've already got some things in the can and a lot more coming. So I'll see you guys uh, next week. Uh, watch midweek for uh, that possible John Atak video. You'll see it come up um, on your notices. And make sure, by the way, that if you are subscribed to my channel, that you click the little bell so you get notifications of when my content comes out. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.